Thank you, Hillary. Well, good morning. I'm going to make a statement that I don't think anybody's going to argue with me about. Ready? Listening is an important life skill. Any objections? Good. Good. Now you can begin to maybe disagree with me as we move forward. But, but I want to at least get something out there that we could all agree on, that listening is indeed an important life skill. Whether we're talking about listening inside the home, it's important for kids to listen to their parents. And parents, it's important for you to listen to your kids. Spouses, it's important that you learn to listen to one another at work. Listening is important, listening for directions from your coworkers or your supervisor, your boss, or the ability to, to help somebody hear what it is that you're trying to communicate. Listening in the workplace is super important. When it comes to just relationships, right? Listening is important. Friendships can be strengthened or they can at times be severed by one person's ability to listen or maybe not listen. In the world of sports, right, ask any coach that coaches kids at any level. If a player can't listen and if a player won't listen, they will never ever be successful on the field, on the court, on the pitch, or whatever it is that they're attempting to do. This morning we're going to talk about listening and not listening and sometimes listening and kind of, sort of, but not really all the way listening to God. That's what we're going to talk about today. If you haven't been with us the last couple of weeks, uh, we're in a new series called Kingdom Stories. It's a, it's a series on some of the parables that Jesus taught that are known as kingdom parables, and they're known as kingdom parables because he starts all of the parables with the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he tells a story, right? A, a concrete story with a cosmic truth. And when we begin talking about the kingdom of God at Zion, we've learned to articulate it this way, and we've said this the last couple of weeks, and we'll keep saying this. When we talk about the kingdom, here's what we mean. We mean this, is that wherever Jesus rules, there is the kingdom. And when Jesus came, he inaugurated, he started his kingdom. He said, repent for the kingdom, my rule, my kingdom is at hand. And so there's a sense that God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is here, but there's also a sense that it's not yet here completely. What Jesus has started, he will one day complete when the government truly is on his shoulders, when he returns to set up his kingdom here on earth. And until that time, we want, we desire for his kingdom to grow, to expand. And that happens first in our individual lives as we allow him to be the ruler, to be the king of our hearts. L last fall, we did a whole series uh, on experiencing God. And one of the things that we learned during that series is, is that God is always speaking. That, that God is always speaking. The problem isn't him speaking. The problem is us listening. I'm going to age myself for a minute. How many of you remember the old E.F. Hutton commercials? Right? E.F. Hutton. When E.F. Hutton talks, P. 
people listen, right? And so the question that I wanna, I wanna propose to us this morning as we get started is this. When God speaks, do we listen? That's the question we wanna try to ask and answer. Today's parable is a familiar one to many. It's called the parable of the soils. Last week we were in the story that Jesus told, we were the we were the seeds. As last week we talked about the, the wheat and the tares. This week, good news. In the story, we're the dirt. Aren't you glad you came to church? Pastor Trent called us dirt. I didn't call you dirt. That's what Jesus says in the story. Now again, you're not dirt, but 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 we are in the story that we're gonna read. We we are the soil. It, this is a parable, and I've not really thought about it in this terms, but it's a, it's a parable that Jesus told about why he told parables, which is kind of like a biblical version of inception, right? It's a parable within a parable about parables. That, that's what we're going to look at today, right? And, and in it, Jesus tells us that sometimes he told parables to obscure truth from people rather than reveal or illustrate it to people. And I know that might sound confusing, but I think today, if you'll lean in, it might answer some questions that you've had or maybe some question that you currently have. It, it, it will explain why some people, even though they're really smart, can't seem to grasp or see biblical truth. And, and it might explain why some, some people respond to the Bible in a whole variety of different ways. This parable is really about different responses to hearing from God, God's word, the seed. And this might actually answer the question as to why some of you have a hard time even listening to me or for that matter anybody on a Sunday morning why you're more tempted to close your eyes and drift off or why you're more tempted to think about what you're having for lunch later today so with that said Matthew 13 I'm going to read verses 1 through 10 if you don't have a Bible the verses will be up on the screen if you need a copy of the scriptures please stop it at our first impressions desk and we'll give you a copy of, uh, of, the, of the scriptures for yourself, okay? So Matthew's biography on the life of Jesus and the way we break it down, chapter 13, starting in verse one, here's what the biographer Matthew had to say. He said this. He said, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach and he told them many things in parables, saying, and here is this concrete story that gives us a cosmic truth. A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. 
Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And then Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear. And then look at one more verse, verse 10. So then the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Evidently, when he told this parable, and when he told parables in general, people who heard them, many of them were confused. And so, again, the, the, the question that the disciples asked Jesus was a, was a common sense question. That They said, hey, Jesus, why don't you just come out and tell us what you mean? Right? Why, why don't you just come out and tell us what you mean? And this morning, I want to suggest that you've probably had that same question at some point in time in your faith journey. You may not have asked it exactly that way. You may have asked or wondered why Jesus isn't more straightforward at times. And it might come out like this. God, if you really are the author of the Bible, why not just prove it to everybody? Why, why can't you just do something to prove to people when they open the Bible that you are the author? God, why don't you just have a little angel hover over the Bible when people are reading it and, and, and have a little angel just whisper in their ear, this stuff is true. I mean, that would clear up the confusion. Some of you might say, that would clear it up for me. Or CUP students, you know, maybe you've wondered, you know, when, when one of your professors begins to deny the truth of the Bible, maybe you've thought, you know, God, you know what you should do? Why don't you just take my professor and just like put him in like a Darth Vader death grip and just like levitate him above the room and have him kicking and screaming and then just throw him down. That would show him that, that you're real and that he's wrong. God, why don't you just do something like that? If you really are who you say you are, and if all of this stuff really matters, why can't you just be more straightforward and definitive so that everybody gets it? Why would you leave room for doubt and confusion? I think that's an honest question. If you've never thought about that, you're going to go home today and go, I have never thought about that. I'm going to think about that. I'm going to have some thought. Okay, well, Jesus answers the why. He wasn't as straightforward as we would like for him to be. Look at what it says in verse 11, Matthew 13. And he, he answered them, to you, to the disciples, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. And what, what did Jesus mean by all that? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a bottom line statement about what Jesus is trying to articulate there. In, in essence, Jesus is saying, and you can write this down, is, is very simple. Understanding truth is a gift from God. That's just the reality. Understanding truth is a gift from God. No matter how smart you are, there are things, spiritual things, that you can't understand, that I can't understand, that we can't understand unless God turns the light on for us, unless God helps us to understand the truth that we are being exposed to. And why is that? Well, the why is because of sin. See, sin makes all of our hearts naturally dull. And they have this slant, this bent against God, not 
for or toward God so that we can't see or perceive or understand spiritual truth without his help. We just can't. In his kingdom, understanding truth is a gift. Let's keep reading verse 12. He says this, For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this verse, but in other words, Jesus is saying, what you do with truth determines whether or not gives you more insight into the truth. As God opens your mind, as you begin to understand and see and perceive spiritual things with God's with God's help, how we respond to it, what we do with that truth will determine what comes next in your spiritual understanding. And let me read verses 13 through 16. He says that this is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, it says, and Isaiah wrote this hundreds of years prior, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Jesus continues, But but blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Verse 17, for truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Here's what Jesus is getting across. This is where we're gonna focus the rest of our time. Write this down. Insight into truth is as much a matter of the heart as it is the head. And I think for many Christians, we've settled on getting the truth into our head without it ever getting into our hearts, without the truth of God ever making its way into our bodies so that our bodies, so we actually begin to live out what we hear, what we receive. And it shows up in how we live. But it begins with heart. It begins with a willingness. So here's the question. In kingdom terms, because we're talking about these kingdom stories, are you a willing recipient of the king's commands? Are you a willing recipient of your king's commands. And I'm, I'm working on this assumption that you've all made Christ your king. If you haven't made him your king, that's the, the first step into participating in his kingdom, is you've got to make him your king. But if we've done that, are you a willing recipient of his commands? See, the condition of our hearts are what keeps us from seeing the truth or what helps us not see the truth. You've heard this statement before. The same sun that softens the wax hardens the clay. The the difference in effect comes not from the differences in the exposure to the sun, but differences in the material that it shines on. So for some, 
When you see or hear truth, it, it's fuzzy. It's not clear. It's, it's, it's foreign. It doesn't make sense. It can agitate and irritate you. For others, it can transform you. And it is transforming you. It's changing you day by day by day. See this parable, if we go back and read it, there are four different kinds of store of soil in this story, which represents, it's a picture, it's a way to illustrate four different heart attitudes that each of us can have toward God. And these four different attitudes, these heart attitudes that we can have toward his word. And, and here's the thing. All four of the responses can be true of any of us at any given time. See, our, our receptivity to our king's commands can change from moment to moment. If we're being honest, sometimes we're very open to the truth of God. I receive it. I welcome it. I want it in my life. Talking about God's love and his forgiveness and his grace, right? Man, that's great. Sometimes I'm closed to it. Take up your cross. Deny yourself. Love your enemy. Forgive those who have offended you. Oh, not so sure about that one. Sometimes I'm in too much of a hurry for God. I don't have time for the seed to get down into my heart. <clears throat> See, from moment to moment, my heart, your heart's ability to receive, to hear, to listen to God might change. So again, back into the story, when, when the disciples asked Jesus for clarity, he provided it to them. He said, hey, listen, I want you to understand something about parables. But then he said, okay, now let's get back to the parable. And if we continue to read, he explains exactly what he meant to the disciples when he was teaching or ta telling the story about the soils. So verse 13, or chapter 13, verse 18, he says this. Hear then the parable of the sower. I want you to understand it. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, snatches away what has been sown in his heart. So if you're taking notes, we're going we're gonna to label each of these different types of heart attitudes. But Jesus says that there's a, there's a heart that represents, it's a picture of a closed heart. This is the, the hardened path. There, there are people who simply are not open to the truth. They're not open to anything that God might want to say to them. And as a result, the, the seed, the word of God, the, the truth of God, his voice doesn't take root in their life. And, and when we go through these, I, I want us to look at it through, through a couple of filters. First of all, make it very personal. Wrestle with the kind of soil you are Okay, that's, that's first and foremost. This should be a self-examination message. But also, put your uh, missionary hat on, right? Because in that sense, we're all supposed to be scattering seed. In that sense, we're all supposed to be planting the word of God into the places, the nooks and crannies of life that we live in, right? 
And so as you read this as a missionary, remember that people are going to respond differently to the word of God, to the truth of God, to the seeds that you, that you cast. That's, that's not on you. Your job is to scatter seed, right? To, to plant the truth. So, so kind of dual application. But first and foremost, I want you to wrestle with how, how am I hearing? What, what am I? But there are people who's never, who are never going to be transformed by God because they're not open to the truth of God. In the story, the seed never, never had a chance. And there are some people who the word of God doesn't have a chance because you're just unwilling to listen. And there's a lot of different reasons why you may be a hardened, closed heart. Let me give you three of them. Number one is fear. There are some people, maybe this is where you're at, you don't want to hear the word of God because of fear that God might say something to you that you may not like, that you may not want. Fear might keep your heart hardened from the truth of God in your life. So, something else might be pride. There are people, you know them, you've met them, you've been around them, who've concluded, I don't need that stuff. The Bible is just a crutch. I'm better than that. I am a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. I have been, uh, I have made myself into something without anybody's help. I don't need any outsider, let alone the God of the universe to tell me anything. And that's pride. But then there's one other thing that often will keep us from receiving the word of God into our life, and that's, that's bitterness. And I don't ever want to be afraid to touch on these things, but there are some folks maybe in this room, and been, again, I'm certain people that you know, who they've experienced so much pain in their life. Life has been tough. And again, we all go through different type of pain, different types of struggle. We all have different, different hurts. But I'm afraid that for some, that pain, that struggle, the experience of your life has caused you or allowed you to become hardened to the truth of God's word. And you've let bitterness and anger, again, um, push the seed out or keep it from ever getting into your heart to begin with. And so, again, this morning, if that's kind of where you're at, if you would say, you know what, if I'm being honest, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a closed heart. The, the good news is we have a kind God who will continue to send rain. He, he will continue to send circumstances and, and maybe people and, and, and things into your life with the idea that, listen, if you'll just receive it, you, you can soften that hard heart. He goes on in the story in verse 20. It says, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself. Here's what happens. But endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. This soil, we can, we can call it the, the shallow heart. This is that impulsive person who has a tendency to, to react emotionally. And, and you've, you've known them, you've met them, maybe, this, maybe you are them. They get excited about truth, 
but they never let it sink in. Have you ever wondered how is it that, you know, that people can attend church week after week after week after week and never be changed? It's because they might believe on a Sunday morning, but that's where it ends. They nod in agreement. Oh, yeah, 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 I agree with that. But then they go out and they live however it is that they want to live during the week. Or we all can probably tell stories. I can, I've been here a long time. I can tell you stories of people who sat in the same seats that you're in, who maybe have stood in those waters of baptism, who maybe have even been on this platform with a microphone in their hand, talking about how wonderful and awesome God is and what he's doing in their life. That today, years later, they're nowhere to be found. They're not walking with God. They, they, who, who knows where they're at? And again, I'm not here to judge their hearts. But when I, when I look at this part of the story, I just wonder, that was somebody who allowed the emotion of a moment, the emotion of a decision to keep them from letting their roots actually go down deep. They, were, they received the truth with joy. They were thrilled but they weren't changed. They were, they were excited, but not transformed. They jumped on the bandwagon and got all motivated about God and faith and Jesus, but they never really let the word of God penetrate the bedrock of their, of their personality, of their very being. It, it never rooted itself where permanent change actually happens. Jesus said in the story that they endured for a while, but then, then they just left it. People who never allow depth to enter into their life. Shallow, superficial believers. They have no root. Here's what happens. Again, Jesus said in the story, if that's you, when the pressure comes, when the storms come, when the heat is on, that person wilts. And I think if we could sit down and interview people who fall into this category, they would tell you, yeah, I was all excited about Jesus, and then I got news about my mom's cancer. Forget that. I thought God loved me. Yeah, I was all excited about faith, but then my spouse left me. Forget that God stuff. See, and again, the problem wasn't God. The problem was they had no roots. They were still very shallow. Because I can sit down with the same, with a different person that tells the same story about cancer and about divorce. And instead of it causing them to wilt away because they had roots, their faith was strengthened. It was deepened in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the difficulty when the sun was beating down on them. The difference isn't the circumstances. The difference is the soil. The, the difference is the person. Matthew continues to record what Jesus said. Look at verse 22. He said, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. This third kind of soil with weeds represents what I would call a divided heart. 
a divided heart. This is, there are things that, that, that for them that, that crowd in and choke out what God started. The word of God gets into their mind and to, kind of seeps down into their heart and it starts to grow. But as it grows, other stuff pops up. My kids got sports. My kids got dance. And not anti either. I was a dad of kids who did both. Don't hear me say something I'm not saying. I had to work overtime. You know, I really like my fill-in-the-blank hobby. It's just taking up a lot of my time. I, I, I really need to focus on and then you fill in the blank with whatever it is that you choose to focus on. And, and it's not that you turn your back on God. You don't wither away. It's just that the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, I got to climb the ladder. I got to make more money. I got to whatever for you, begins to choke out the truth. The seed begins to suffocate and, it's, and, and, the, the, and it may, the fruit may, may begin to pop up, but it can't last. This is the American church culture. It just is. This is us. I mean, again, we all have to search our hearts individually, right? And, and like I said, we can at any given moment in time be the, 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 the closed heart or the shallow heart or the divided heart. But if we could just paint with a broad stroke one of the issues that's facing the American church culture, it's this. There's just too much stuff that's pulling us away. How do I know that? Do I need to convince you? Do, do, I, do I really need to build a case that the American church that we collectively as the body of Christ in America have divided hearts? I, I don't think I do. I can. I can do it in about 30 seconds. But I'm not going to do that because you know that. You know that's the case. You're smart. I, and I've, we've, we've discipled you, I think, enough over the years that we just are, we have so many things we've got going on that keep us from becoming and being that, that good soil. We're so busy. We're so preoccupied. We're committed to things that really don't matter. How we look. What's our bank account? Are we getting our kids the best opportunities? What's the image that people have of our, our family? And the result of that is we have no time for God. I haven't used this quote, but I, I've always held on to it. <clears throat> book I read years ago, I think it was Gordon MacDonald, said this, beware of the barrenness of a busy life. That's what this soil is. It's that busy life that's so preoccupied with, with other stuff that it doesn't tend its own garden. It doesn't, it doesn't look after its own heart and all kinds of stuff just grows up instead. There's a difference between activity and productivity. And there are a lot of us who spend a lot of time just spinning our wheels. You're busy. Your calendar proves it. How do I know? I've tried to get with some of y'all. Oh, I'm so busy. I'd love to. Just got so much going on. Hey, can we? I don't, would you be willing? Ah. Again, I don't, I'm, I'm poking a little bit, but I don't need to poke much because you know. I mean, you just know. 
right? Productivity is not the same thing as fruitfulness, or activity is not the same thing as, as, as fruitfulness. We can be busy doing things and be busy doing the wrong things. He talks about these weeds. I, and again, he, he talks about worries and riches, and, and I think you can throw in their pleasures. The, the weeds are those, those worries, the problems and pressures of daily lives. The weeds are those riches. The weeds are those, those pleasures, things that take priority. Again, how, how do you define what a weed is? And I, I don't know, I, I would say this. A weed is anything that I let choke out the seed of God's word in my life. It's anything that I let choke out the seed of God's word. It could be a good thing. But if that good thing is keeping the seed of God's word from getting planted deep down in your heart, it's a bad thing. And it becomes an idol. How much effort does it take to grow weeds? None. You don't even have to try. And, and if, you, if you are just coasting when it comes to the word of God and listening to him, you're gonna grow weeds. Doing nothing is going to build weeds in your heart, in your life. We have to work to keep them out. Then Jesus says one more thing. He says, as for what was sown on good soil, verse 23, that is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. The good soil is a willing heart. A willing heart. And no, that's not a southern gospel group from the early 2000s. Long-time Zion folk know what I mean when I say that. Amen. Got that willing heart CD. All right. All right, I'll tell you. So back in the early 2000s, my wife and a couple of other gals had a, a group, and that was their name, Willing Heart. They even made a CD. Rumor is there are still copies out there floating around somewhere. How many of you have a willing There you go. Pam, there you go. So anyway... The good soil is a willing heart. It's the person who says, I'm willing to do whatever God wants. When I hear the truth, I won't do it 100% accurately. I'm not going to be perfect at it. But man, if a truth gets planted in my heart, whether I like it or not, whether it's warm and fuzzy or challenging and, and, and hard, I'm going to receive it. That's why James said this. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. James said, do what it says. And when we let the word of God, the truth of God, when we listen to him, okay, and it gets down into our heart, it changes us. It produces something in our lives. And I don't know how God does it, but he does it. When I put God into my schedule on a regular basis, when I put corporate gatherings on my schedule on a regular basis, not just when I don't have anything else going on on a Sunday, we'll show up at church. But I say, you know what? I'm going to be in church. I, I want to be with the body. I want to hear the word of God. I want to worship with the saints of God. I want to be exposed to the truth of God regularly, deliberately, intentionally in my life. God 
does something in us. He changes us. We begin to bear fruit. It starts with the fruit of the Spirit, right? We begin to, to walk and act like Him with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That begins to spring out of us because we're letting the truth of His Word get into us. But we also bear fruit in other ways. The, f- the fruit of, of, of righteousness, of, of living a different kind of life. The fruit of other people. As we, again, let the life of Jesus spill out of us, begins to spill onto our neighbors and our coworkers and our family and our friends. And that seed that we're spreading through our life begins to take root in them. And their life has changed. That's fruit from and in your life. God does that, but he does that in proportion to our ability and our willingness to welcome and receive his truth in our life. That's, that's the key, is we have to have a willing heart. So this morning, if God did a scan of your heart, he did a, a spiritual open heart surgery, what kind of heart would he find? Would God find a closed heart? You're just like, I'm not even, I'm not even open to the possibility that God might want to change me, that he might want to do something in me. I'm just, I'm close to it. Maybe it's fear of what he might say. Maybe it's pride. Maybe you think you, you have it all together. Maybe it's bitterness. You've built a wall, right? You've become hardened because, because you've been hurt. Don't do that. Don't let the hurt harden your heart. That is tragic. Because the hardened heart doesn't, can't bear fruit. It just can't. Would God find, if he did a a spiritual open heart surgery, would he find a shallow heart? A shallow heart. Well, how do you know whether or not I've got a shallow heart? Can I tell you how to find out if you've got a shallow heart? Let somebody turn the heat on your life. Let somebody put a little bit of pressure on you. Let, let a storm come and let me watch how you respond. That'll tell me whether or not you've got a shallow heart or not. So, some of you, like, you're just one, one bad thing away from happening in your life, from chucking it all. Forget you, God, and just walking away. It's a shallow heart. Others of you, your, your life has been difficult but your resolve and your, 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 your faith is deeper and richer than it's ever been, and you can point to those difficulties as a reason why you are where you're at in your life today. Good news, I wouldn't put you in the shallow heart category because the heat and the pressure revealed what's there, and it wasn't shallowness. It was a rootedness. Would he find a divided heart? Again, broad stroke. I think that's one that we all have to wrestle with. Am I just too busy to let the truth of God get down into my heart? Because I'm never hearing it. I'm never being exposed to it. I'm never wrestling with it. I'm never asking myself, what's the next truth that I need to apply to my life? Because you don't have time to think about any of those things. Because your schedule is filled to capacity. And you have no time 
or you perceive as though you have no time. We, we all have time to do the things that matter to us. And if having a willing, receptive heart matters to you, then you can create space so you can welcome and receive the truth of God into your heart. Would he find that willing heart? That's on you. That's not on me. Right? My job every week, I'm just trying to toss out some seeds. Here's some truth. Here's some truth. Right? And that's not me being callous, but that's just me being honest. I can't determine the receptivity of the soil. I can just be faithful in tossing out the seeds. But I can pray like crazy and hopefully disciple like crazy and be honest with you like crazy to say, look at your heart. What does your heart look like? Analyze, examine, be honest about your heart. And if you've come to the conclusion that I've got a hard heart, I've got a divided heart, I've got a shallow heart, and I don't want that anymore, I want a willing heart, good news is the... Uh, Texture of your soil, that's not the word I'm looking for. Come on, give me a word here. You can change the composition of the soil. I'm looking at Mike Namelli. Give me a word here. Does that work? You, yeah, you can. <laughs> you can go a whole lot of places with that word, right? We won't go there, right? But the, so the soil can be changed. The soil can be softened, right? How do you do it? Well, I'm going give, to give it to you real quickly, and they'll be up on the screen. First of all, cultivate it right? The first step is if you want to receive the word of God, if you want to receive, you know, God's voice in your life, you've got to say, God, I'm open to it. I want it. I want you to talk to me. I'm ready. I'm eager. I'm willing. I'm open. I'm tuned in. You've got to cultivate that. And that might be a, a prayer that you pray daily. You, you start today saying, God, I, I see who I am. I see where I'm at, but I want to be that willing heart Begin to say, God, I want that. I desire that. Turn over that hard heart, right? Deepen that, that shallow heart. Get rid of the weeds in the, in the divided heart and cultivate a willing heart. And then the next thing is make time. Make time to listen. You gotta make time. Again, a lot of us just don't hear from God because we're in too much of a hurry. Which leads me to the next one, eliminate distractions. You gotta get quiet. Get quiet, eliminate the distractions. We have too much noise in our life. Too much noise. We'd all do well to just turn off our phones, turn off our TVs, turn off our radios, close the newspaper for a few hours every week. Notice I didn't say a few hours every day because I know that for most of you that's not realistic but do it for a few hours every week. It'll change you. It will absolutely change you. And I'm not saying that as a master of it, but man, I'm trying to figure out how to do more of it in my life. And then here's the last thing. If you want to have a willing heart, then when it comes to God's word, receive it without reservations. Receive the seed without reservations. God speaks clearest I believe, to those who in advance has communicated with God, God, whatever you want to say, I'm listening. Whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. Wherever you tell me to go, I'll go. 
I don't even need to know what it is. But God, my answer is already yes. It's yes. That, that's, what, that's what it looks like. That's what it feels like to receive the word of God, to receive the truth of God without reservation. And you may not be there. You might just still be at that first one. I just need to cultivate it. Great, then just start cultivating it. But prayerfully, we would all become a body who decides in advance that if God speaks, truth is planted, it's yes. Because that's the kind of soil that we've become. It's the kind of soil that we are. Let's bow our heads. Ask the worship team to come, and we're going to pray, we're going to respond. And again, these moments are not, um, you know, again, they're not, they're not for nothing. All right? We don't just sing two songs at the end of a worship gathering because that's what you're supposed to do. This is intentional response time so that whatever the word of God and the spirit of God has done in you, you can respond. And today the response could be a lot of different things. It might be repentance. It might be confession. It might be you just making a, a, a heart's commitment. It might be you tapping your friend on the shoulder and saying, hey, can, we, can you pray with me about this? It, it, you may know very clearly what your response needs to be, but we want to leave space in our gatherings for you to think about and respond to what you've heard, not from me, not as the voice, but from God's word and his spirit today. That's why we do this. And so as we sing and as we respond, if you're a D group leader, just be ready and, and maybe even just, if you want to come down here in the front, if you're an elder, you want to come down here in the front, if you just need somebody to pray with you, come down and tap one of us on the shoulder and say, I just need prayer. We would love to be able to minister to you in these next few moments. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you haven't yet started a relationship with Jesus, you haven't made him the king of your life, that's the starting point. And, and for you, I'd love to have a conversation with you about what it looks like to begin a relationship, to begin following Jesus as your king so you can be part of the kingdom that he is collecting, gathering, building, and growing um, here locally and across planet Earth. Father, we love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this chance to hear your word. And, and God, I pray now that we would respond to it in whatever way that you've shaped and spoken to our individual lives. In your name we pray, amen. Let's all stand and respond as God leads you.